This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of December the 12th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is the time of year, for better or worse, that we usually take stock of our investments and either count our blessings or lick our wounds. And sad to say, there hasn't been a year when traditional equity investments, aka the stock market, have behaved this poorly since 2008. And we all know what happened in 2008. Of course, 2022 can't compare to the financial meltdown and Great Recession, but that doesn't take any of the sting out of seeing our portfolios slip 20% into the red. IBJ personal finance columnist Pete the Planner is in the same boat and isn't looking forward to his annual financial review on New Year's Eve, but Pete does have a pocket full of silver linings to pull out. Markets go down and they go up. It's a healthy cycle. To benefit from the cycle, you need to make sure that you are taking advantage of opportunities to save money and eliminate debt. In the podcast this week, Pete shares the questions that he asks himself at the end of every year to make sure he's positioning himself for success. It all boils down to a concept Pete calls the power percentage, which he will explain. He also ventures to make a few predictions for 2023, and as I mentioned, the markets go down and then they go up. Here's our conversation. As always, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner. How are you, sir? Happy holidays. You asked that like as a question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just wondering, like, if it's it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? Like, are you having a good holiday season, Mason? I think it's going to be good. I think so, too. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty chill right now. I mean, I, I will note, and no one cares, I had a massive case of the flu last week. Massive, like mm. almost killed me. It was awful. Get your flu shot. Did you get your flu shot? Oh, you kidding me? I got a seven-year-old at home. Of course, I got my flu shot. Okay. Well, I'm an idiot. I didn't get a flu shot, and uh, I was in the fetal position for 72 hours last week. So get your flu shot, people. Uh, yeah, it really does help. As we look out over uh, 2022, uh, what is what is Pete the Planner's headline <laughs> for 2022? That's the laziest question I could think of. I, that's decent, right? I, I've heard you ask much worse in several times. I'm just kidding. I would You're say that. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you made the right decisions with the amount of money you put away this year because the money you have put away hasn't done its job this year, right? So hopefully the decisions that you made to the amount that you put away are good because if you're looking at your money to have performed for you, boy, will you be sadly disappointed because it, it, it's been a bloodbath. Yeah. Not like, uh, not maybe as bad as it was a few months ago. I forget how far down the market was. If you just want to look at the S&P 500. Sure. But now it's like, uh, according to uh, my my internet, oh. it's about, it's, it's Today's a good day, and just so, just for uh, for posterity's sake, we're recording this on on December the eighth. S and P is down about seventeen percent right now for the year. 
Yeah, that stings. I mean, uh, year end uh, in 21, it was up nearly 27% in 2020, despite the fact that the world somehow ended, but we all survived. It was up 16%. And in 2019, it was up nearly 29%. It's been since 2018. Uh, we we had a down year in 2018 at down 6%. So, I mean, for, for some people, th- this is quite the shock. If you go up 28, up 16, up 26, going down 17 this year, that's a lot. That's a lot of money, Mason. I went back a little bit. I think you have to go back to 2008 to find I mean, anything even close to this kind of drop for a calendar year. Yeah. And tw- 2008, I, they always they always feel a little bit different, right? 2008 is when Bear Stearns failed and uh, the, the recession took hold because of the housing crisis. And we were down th- about 39% that year. So this one, I, I think it's with the pandemic and the economy shutting down in 2020. We've contextualized this one a little differently. And I also, and, and, and I don't want to taint it too much with my own personal perspective, but I think a lot of people have this sort of ominous view of the next six to nine months of what the economy could be. And so the, the market is just sort of a prelude to that. It doesn't actually feel like the worst part. You mentioned, um, you know, the, they talk about the possibility of a recession. It really does kind of come down to uh, like how you define recession. We used to, I think we generally would, would call it two consecutive quarters with uh, negative GDP. But then we, ha- we had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, but everybody said, oh, no, no that's not a real recession. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't really it's not like a real recession. Yeah, you know, facts are fleeting these days, but you know, a lot of people argue we're already in a recession, right? I mean, some people argue that it's just, you know, it, it's going to deepen over the next six to nine months. Although I, it does feel a little bit, and again, I'm not an economist, right? I, do I say that every show? Uh, I, I do feel like, I think we're going to we're gonna experience some pain. I, I think you have a lot of s- small employers, a lot of tech employers laying people off right now. Uh, I think that's going to probably accelerate in the next two weeks. I mean, at this time of year, there's there's a couple different reasons businesses lay people off. Number one, to hit their number from the expense side, to say, look, I'm not going to have my bonus unless we trim some expenses. And that's that's a really glib way to look at this, but that's the way people do it. And, and that's why jobs go away. But in this circumstance, what we're saying is you've got corporate leaders worried about third and fourth quarter of 23. And they're solving those problems right now by getting lean with their payrolls. In terms of uh, just looking at your investment statement, um, right, it's been a terrible year for that. I would assume that the advice, however, is don't panic. This is an opportunity. This is oh, yeah. this is the time you need to buy stuff when it's cheap. So don't stop putting your money in the market. I mean, Mason, like a lot of American men, my primary goal in my life is to impress my wife. Okay. Like that's what I want to do. And so on uh, the afternoon of December 31st, every year I I go into my little den it's just an office, but I've been calling it a den because I feel like I'm getting older. And so I go into my little den in, in my home and I calculate a bunch of stuff. And then I walk out with my chest pushed out and I'm like, Honey, and I like tell her all these great things that the market has done, but I take credit because I put the things in the market. This year, Mason, that feeling I like the chest will be sunken in. Uh, I can't take a lot of credit because honestly, as I look at as I'm about to look at my 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 favorite thing to do, December 31st in the afternoon, I really do do this. Uh, it's gonna be terrible. 
because my property value ha will have decreased, you know, based on the value of my home. I, I calculate that into my net worth. All of my holdings will have gone down. And I hate to say it, I've got two or three individual holdings that have gone down well in excess of what the S&P 500 have gone down. So I, I, what I, what I can take away is that what we have done with our income in 2022 is still a very healthy thing and will put us in a good place eventually. But man, it's going to feel bad. <laughs> it's going to feel bad going into the new year. And I got a long night ahead of me on New Year's Eve because I'm, you know, I'm staying up till 12.02 or so. Yeah, I know you've got a process that you go through. And, and there's not a lot you can do to change the fate of the money that's invested in the markets, but there is stuff that you can do uh, to, that you can control in terms of your overall net wealth. First question, as I understand it, that you can ask yourself, did you max out your retirement plan contributions? You know, a lot of people love to not. I'll tell you that. And the, what they'll say is, well, I did the best I can, which I appreciate. I mean, look, I, I made a bad food choice for lunch. I did the best I could, though. I didn't put cheese on it. Like I did the best I could. Still not a good choice what I did when that tenderloin. But I'll say this. Anyone that listens to this podcast, and I mean any reader of the IBJ, I understand the demographics here. The goal is to max out maximum contributions as allowed by the Internal Revenue Service into your employer-sponsored plan. To hit the match, and this is where I sound a little judgmental, arguably condescending and snooty, to hit the match is just not enough. It's just not enough. It doesn't, you shouldn't feel good about it. You shouldn't take solace and, well, at least I'm hitting the match. It doesn't matter. It's a fool's errand. The goal is to max out. And so as I sit down, December 31st, and I start looking what I did, did I max out? Yes. Okay. So therefore, from a retirement perspective, Mason, I've done everything I can in the low hanging fruit division of tax sensitivity. And so I feel good about that. Right. The max for our 401k, I think for most 401ks, is 14%. Is that correct? Uh, it is uh, It is not 14%. It is 19,000. It's 20,500 is what you can put in a 401k in 2022. 20,500 American dollars. Oh, okay. Now, you, you can use it, look at it from a percentage standpoint, but it percentages depend on what your income is, but but the but the dollar amount you can put in is $20,500 if you're under the age of 50. Of course, if you're over the age of 50, then you get a catch-up contribution on top of that. And so you can put more than $20,500 in. And that, that by the way, that catch-up contribution is $6,500. So you can actually put in a total of, and I'll do the math for you because I know it's late. You can put in $27,000 if you're 50 years old or older which I am not. I just look that way in 2022. So hold on, let me go back. So let's say I'm 25. I uh, I make $45,000 a year. I thought that I would only be able to contribute 14% uh, of my income to my 401k. That but is not correct. That, that is not correct. I would be able to contribute whatever percentage I want to, to get me to that 20,000 number. Yeah. Wow, my mind is blown. I didn't know you could do that. Well, look, I mean, this is why I'm on the show to blow your mind. I mean, you could Google this, but right. but well, sure, you waste my time. Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay, so let's <laughs> let's say let's say there really was fourteen percent because that's what I believe. So what I, you believe is definitely how the news and facts work in twenty twenty two. That's what I believe. I swear to God, I don't know yeah. where I got this, but I got it. So, yeah. but I I knew it was fourteen percent. Let's go back four or five years, maybe even more than that, ten years. And I'm like, well, how much should I put in here? And I could not bring myself to put in the max. I said, oh, eight percent seems like just about all I could do. And I assume, I mean, you you know that other people are like this as well. For whatever, yeah, of course, they cannot bring themselves to do the max. Why? What is what psychologically is going on there? And I and I will preface this by saying, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife as well, who for whatever reason is not interested in in maxing out hers. You know, here's the thing. It's really hard. Like I, I'm, I'm not, you know, when I sort of joke about this stuff, but I don't, I don't mean it judgmentally. This is stinking hard to part with that much of your money. Uh, so what we, what we do is we try to convince ourselves to do it. And then we don't, what I think the better method is, is to set your contributions up uh, higher than you want to. And then realize as you're, as you're sorting out your money and your behaviors, making decisions, that you can actually do it. I mean, that that that's half the battle here. It's just like forcing yourself to do it and then adjusting on the back end with how your cash flow works. Now, for some people, you're peeling off what what's the math? $1,600, $1,700 a, a month to go towards your 401k seems like a lot of money. Uh, and that that's that's fine. But but I would definitely push yourself much further than most people do. Now, where the 14 percent may came from, may have come from, Mason, may have been from one of our conversations, because what I often talk about is to to perfectly save for retirement, you want about 12 to 15 percent of your gross income going towards your 401k. Now, that's that's not maxing it out. That's that's doing what you can to lead to a good retirement outcome. So. I, I think I'm the cause for the, you conflating the two concepts. Okay. I'll blame me for blaming you. That's right. Hold on. I'm looking this up now. I'm going off script. Oh, my God. The limit on employee elective deferrals is 22500 Can you leave this in the show where you, you ask me to come on the show? I give you a perfectly good answer, and then you Google it to learn that I'm right. Hold on, I would look this up one more, one other way. Wait, you're gonna bang it now? You Googled it, now you're gonna bang it? What's next? Dog pile? <laughs> ask Jeeves. Are you going to ask Jeeves to find out if I'm right? Uh percentage contribution to 401k. Uh, this is a good time. Sorry, dude. That's oh, all right. You know, I feel like you just told me that God doesn't exist. That's on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the year episode. Okay, you're right. Of course I'm right. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to be right about anything, it's going to be about this and where to get a good buffalo chicken sandwich. There's nothing else I actually know in my life. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay, so, uh, so, so, so by the way, this is why you have to ask yourself this question at the end of the year. Because there's so much else going on that it's really easy to just get confused. And so I, I honestly ask myself this question at the end of every single year. Next up, uh, also from the department of taking stuff out of your, uh, out of your paycheck, be sure to account for 529 college savings contributions. If you're doing that or your health savings account contributions. 
yeah, I don't know if you know how this works with the science and all, but we're, we generally get less healthy. Uh, we get more expensive to take care of the older we get. And so even if your everything's working now, all your plumbing and all that stuff, if it still works, it makes sense to put money into an HSA because uh, in a very tax advantage way, because you're going to need that money later. Uh, I love my HSA contributions, but that's how I know I'm a boring person because it's it's one of my favorite things to do is to put money in my HSA. There also are limits on HSAs. There are. And those are roughly like $7,500 for family contributions, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I think for individuals, 3,000-ish. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but still, if you're not doing that, you should do it. If you can. I mean, again, what we're trying to do is to say, um, sure, the market disappointed you this year, but 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 what you're allowed to do, how much of that are you doing? I mean, that's, that's what this is about. Mm, right. uh, for example, making substantial progress on paying down your debt. Yeah. You know, with rising interest rates, uh, with, with consumer debt, what we're seeing is some of these intro offers or low interest rate cards or credit lines, man, they took a nasty turn mid-year. I mean, they just started going up. And now, now you got people paying 29.99% interest on, on consumer debt. And so if if you busted your hump, to get out of some of that debt to make sure that you're not exposed to those interest payments, then good on you. I'll say, uh, I, I, again, you've mocked me on this show as well as everyone else have about my willingness to pay my mortgage in person every single month. I'll physically go to the location and I get a receipt that tells me how much of my mortgage balance has gone down that month. And I love it. And, and that's part of the progress I measure at the end of each year to say X numbers of dollars that I owe my mortgage bank have, uh, have gone away because I have uh, purchased more ownership in my home. Yeah. Oh, I, I just want to set the record straight. I did not mock you for paying your mortgage in person. And in fact, it's 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 wonderfully cute because you usually take your daughter. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not so cute anymore. She's 13. So we argue the whole time there. But I will note that, yeah, that's what I do. And whether you mock me or not, that's fine. Okay. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and my discussion with Pete the Planner about taking stock of your financial situation at the end of the year. Let's see. Uh, so what are, are we missing in terms of things uh, that you can control, that you can do to, to brighten your financial situation? I mean, just anything else in regards, again, paying down cons- uh, significant debt, making contributions to a, an IRA, you know, even outside of your retirement plan at work, uh, putting money into a brokerage account. Let, let, I mean, look, I'll give people a free pass on Bitcoin for like 30 seconds. Let's say that you consistently are putting money, cash flowing it into, dollar cost averaging into cryptocurrencies on a week, on a monthly basis. You can even consider those to be healthy activities. Uh, because it's a consistent pouring fuel into your fire. When the fire's not burning so bright, sometimes you got to pour more fuel onto it. And that's what your income is meant to do in a year like 2022. And it, that didn't mean to rhyme, but it did. So now tell us, once we 
bring all these questions together, uh, we can talk about power percentage. Okay. How does the power percentage work? Here's how it works. All right. Everyone grab your crayon. I'm a recovering person that say, says crown, but you know what I mean? Like a Crayola crown, but it's crayon. I've been, I've been reformed. Grab your favorite writing utensil and you're going to add up all the annual contributions in 2022 to your retirement plan at work. Again, these are, this is not your account balance. This is how much you put in, how much you put in your retirement account, how much your employer put in. I give you a free pass. It's like a bingo free square in the middle. How much your employer put in on your behalf. You get to include that. You get to include anything you put into your Roth or traditional IRA, anything you put into a health savings account in any amount you put into your college fund in any amount of debt principal that has been paid down. Okay. Even, even if it's just regularly yep. part of my regular mortgage payment. Totally. Because what this will actually do, Mason, and not as an aside, uh, it will it, it will show you who has a 15-year and who has a 30-year. Because if you have a 30-year and you're the first year, you're not paying down very much principal, like close to nothing. If you're like me and you have a 10-year and you've got uh, eight years left, then you are chunking it away and it's making a big difference. So you add all those things up, add them all up. These are all the annual contributions slash debt payments you've made in 2022, and then divide by your pre-tax income. Pre-tax. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pre-tax. So let's say all these things add up to twenty thousand dollars, okay? And I my household income is a hundred thousand uh, dollars. What I what I end up with is that I have twenty percent of my income, twenty percent of my gross income have gone to increase my net worth in 2022. That's called our power percentage. And so I got to give you the key because you got to know what these numbers mean. If you're below, if your power percentage is below 10% and you're a working person, because that, that matters. If you're a working person, as opposed to a retired person, if you're below 10%, that's bad. I mean, that's, that's a little bit scary. That, that means that not only do you have to look at the market went down, but you didn't do anything about it. Like you, you didn't help. Now, circumstantially, let's be honest, sometimes it's because of job loss or, you know, life hits you with lemons or whatever. But if you consistently are below 10%, that's a horrible side, no matter what your income is and no matter what your assets are. 11 to 20% is okay. Obviously, we want it to be closer to 20%. 11, 20% is okay. 21 to 34% is good. And 35 and above is great, right? So the goal is to be above 35. At the end of the year, when you're doing your calculations on New Year's Eve, are you always above 35? Uh, these days, yeah, I'm 42 to 47. Oh, but is and but uh, you know, first let, let's let's get some disclaimers, context, whatever you want to say. I created this metric several years ago, right? I mean, we we I think we've even trademarked it, right? Power percent, and it's in in what it does is it takes away this illusion that it's how much money you make that matters or how much money you have that matters. It's what you do with whatever money you make and how it matters and how you structure your debt. And so no one should retire without a pension unless you're above 35%, right? If, if you're going to retire, if you're making your way towards your retirement years and you do not have a pension, and you were not close to 35%, you shouldn't even consider retiring because it means you're too dependent. That's what this is about. It means you're too dependent on your current income, right? And 
Um, my theory has always been like, sure, my career is going better, probably making a little bit more than I used to, but I want to be less dependent on the money I make, not more dependent on the money I make. And so that's why it's 42%. So if I make a million dollars a year, but I'm not using any of that to increase my net worth, if I'm just spending on comic books, that is not as good as the version of me that gets $100,000 a year, but I put in, socking away one or another $30,000. I know this is sounding quaint. My answer would be like, well, of course it's a hundred thousand. No, I would 100 out of 100 times. I would take the person make a hundred grand that has a higher power percentage than the person that makes a million that saves nothing. This is why I love money. Right. And not in a weird materialistic way, but it's the, the fact that I've, you can take two school teachers earning a good, but modest living with a really high power percentage for years, for decades will have a better retirement than a partner in a law firm in downtown Indianapolis making 600 grand a year who's got a 10% power percentage. The couple will have a better retirement than the partner at the law firm. And, and everyone says, whoa, yeah, right. No, no, no. It will happen. And I've seen it happen dozens of times. And that's why I love this because it means anyone can actually create a lifestyle that is sustainable. Unfortunately, what we try to do is we look at the incomes that we have in good years and in bad, and we say, how can I squeeze the most out of this income in this year? And that's how you end up with a really low power percentage. What I like about power percentage is that it doesn't prescribe how much I should put into each pot. We're just looking right. for an overall percentage. If one year I decide, you know, I really, really, really want to pay down the principal on my house. That is just as valuable, according to the power percentage, as me putting money somewhere else. I'll say this, and this is where it gets a little wacky. Uh, when I'm 53, by the way, I turned 45 last week. Yeah, and stop, I it, stop it with the age thing. When I turn 53, my house will be paid off and my kids will be in college, which means I will have already funded. You know, I've been funding it. But but what, what I'm saying, Mason, is, you know, eight years from now, I won't need a lot of the money I need now. And the money I'm putting towards things right now, like my mortgage and their college funds, I won't be doing that anymore eight years from now. So if I don't redirect those monies towards other positive things, then my power percentage plummets and that's bad. And I become more dependent on that income in a really critical time in my life. You hear about empty nesters all the time, right? Like, oh, what is it to be an empty nester? Empty nester is a really dangerous phase of your life because if you reabsorb that money and, and start living it up and you increase your lifestyle and decrease your power percentage, you make it harder reti to retire. You end up having a second honeymoon, which is great, but you make it harder on yourself. I'm going to go on a little tangent here uh, just because I've, I've been trying to do a better job of, I'm just kind of figuring out where my wife and I are uh, retirement wise. So we, uh, we started meeting with a financial coach this fall to get a sense of how we're positioned for retirement. So we plug all the numbers for our current assets and incomes into the timelines uh, for paying down debt and when we expect to retire and all the things uh, that I'm sure you're familiar with. And I was shocked, blown away to see that for as much money as we have saved, and it is not an inconsiderable amount of money. It is, I mean, significantly above the average for people our age. We still are on track to run out of money when I'm 83. Yeah, that's weird, right? Isn't that weird? 
it's really shocking. I just sort of assumed that, you know, the money that we had saved would just sort of continue to keep working for us. But when I'm 83 or 84, we are just going to have Social Security. Isn't that strange? Look, I mean, again, I live in this world, so like, but I, I'm still fascinated by by those sort of calculations. A lot, a lot of times they're, you know, Monte Carlo simulations that people use to, to get to that point. But I'll say this, Mason, when faced with that feedback, right, you, you put some input in, you got some output, and the output said, hey, you better be dead by 83. Um, a lot of people go, they'll say to themselves, or they'll say to their, their honey bunny, they'll say, ah, we'll see what happens. That's not the that's not the way to go. I can tell you that. Not get it's not getting better. And 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 that's the weird part about money. You, you increasing your contributions by fifty bucks more a month, sixty two dollars a month, whatever. It makes a huge impact. Then it goes from like eighty three to like eighty six. You catch a break on a good year with the market, and all of a sudden you're at eighty nine. And before you know it, you know you're really old. <laughs> Or then I don't want to do anything anyway. Right. You just, then you just complain about it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the, as you say, I mean, there's so many variables here. I mean, there's uh, what kind of lifestyle do we want to maintain? Is it similar to our current lifestyle? The total other edge of this, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, is that, again, let, let's say right now, if my power percentage is 42 right? That that means that I need 58% of my gross income, right? That's what that actually means. Uh, and, and then taxes come out of that. But but once I start, once my mortgage is gone, and once I uh, have my college paid for for my kids, I won't need that much money, right? I, I won't need that much to live on. And so sometimes those financial planning calculations that say you have to die at 83, don't take into account that you're going to reduce your need for money by about 30%. Uh, come retirement. Uh, and, and so unless it did that, right. But, but, but a lot of times they don't account for that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was fascinating to, to, to go back into the, the original calculations and adjust stuff. And as you say, I mean, you think, well, if we can free up 50 bucks here, we can free up uh, X amount of money here, or, or as, you know, as, as it turned out that we pretty much decided to do is to not put as much into the college savings. Yeah. Um, as, as we had decided to put in kind of took a U-turn on that, then we're in a little bit better shape. And I, sure. and I think one of the principles that we talked about with you is when, when you're uh, considering paying for college for your kids, don't put yourself in the poorhouse. No. I mean, yeah, hopefully, look, it's like, what are the takeaways of listening to me on this podcast this year? Hopefully one of them is don't put yourself in the poorhouse to send your kid to college. Like if that's the only thing anyone ever takes away from this, uh, my time here, then I hope that's it. Right. Couple of things that um, maybe investors should should think a little bit about that is different this year. Um, I understand we finally can get a decent return on savings. You can put money in CDs for five, six months or five years and get four percent, which I can, I don't remember the last time we could do that. Yeah, I mean that that definitely is a positive. I mean it it all balances out, by the way, right? And it depends on if you are paying current rates on new debt, then then you really don't win because even though you're saving money, you're paying on those higher rates. But if you're in a position where you don't have a lot of debt and uh, you want to take advantage of these times, that's why sort of elder savers, if you will, love these times. They can actually get a CD that's not paying 0.2%. It's great. Yeah, it, it really is. I Not to sound like the old guy here, but I'll remember back in the year 2000, 
there were six percent CDs. I mean, I I remember it very specifically. Six percent CDs in the year two thousand, and uh, I, we're getting closer to that being reality again. But I I don't know. I don't know if we make our way up there. I, I don't know if we do. I, I feel like interest rates will come back down before then. Yeah, I remember nineteen ninety nine. I remember looking at the CDs and go six percent. I'm putting my money into the Nasdaq. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. 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 My financial planner said, hey, you might not want to do that. I said, no, 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 no. no There's no bubble. Pushed all my chips over to the NASDAQ. That was probably the worst decision. Nailed it. That's why you're the king. Thank you so much. And then the second major development, which we already kind of hit on, is is collapse. Too strong a word. Collapse of cryptocurrency market. No, I mean, it is a collapse. Like, it makes me sad. Like, I, It's not even a matter of, uh, I'm glad I'm right. Well, of course, I'm glad I'm right. And I am right. It makes me sad because it was a really shiny object that burned a lot of people. This is not to say no one should be in crypto. Don't misinterpret my statements here. What I'm what I'm saying is um, if, you were, if you were looking to grow your wealth quickly or catch a rising star, I don't know what any of these phrases mean, and you dump money into crypto at its height, let, let's say that the Super Bowl, when when all the, you know, Matt Damon fortune favors the brave. Well, Matthew Bourne, well, that didn't work. And uh, the market's tanked since then. I feel sad for you because y- you didn't have the wherewithal to understand the context of what you were doing. And so, I don't know, there's a bunch of statistics out there that like 66% of people who have ever put money into crypto have lost money or something crazy like that. And that's not to say it won't eventually be a good thing. But for what it was in the moment in the zeitgeist, it was a collapse and it was a disaster. Gotcha. Um, any advice for crypto investors going forward or just, I, I would, I mean, first of all, it's an asset class, right? And so like many asset classes, it shouldn't exceed 10% of, of your assets, right? It's a speculative asset class. It shouldn't be feel any different than like REITs or, or, uh, any other commodities. And so if you want to do that, fine. I would also say I get increasingly nervous when retirement plan providers, retirement record keepers, if you will, say, oh, hey, within your 401k, you can now invest in crypto. I, I find that to be fiduciarily ill. I, I find it to be a bad decision and it is a being a bad steward of employees' money. Gotcha. Uh, any advice for 2023? I don't know. You want to go predictions? You want to go predictions? Sure. I think. In 2023, I wasn't ready to do this. This I'm I'm challenging myself. Here we go. 2023, interest rates start to come back down. I think the housing market will get hot again late in 2023 as interest rates come down. I think the recession, whatever it is, is over by the third quarter of 2023. And I think the stock market goes bonkers starting in the third quarter of 2023. And I think the market ends up close to 30% in 2023. Now, no one take my investment advice. None. No one. This is not investment advice. This is a parlor game. This is a par- I'm guessing Mason's weight next. Like this is a parlor game. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. But I really like the optimism. Look, I, I just think, I mean, they're cyclical. Okay. You know what? Since we're here, here, here's why I think this. Last giant down year, 2008, down 38%. The next year we were up 23%. Prior to that, 2002, we were down 23%. In 2003, we were up 26%. Mm. I mean, this is how this works, man. I mean, mm. I'm not a, I mean, I'm not using my crystal ball that is my bald head. This is just how this works. 
Okay. You got to be in it to win it, though. I, I, would, that, I would never say that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I say when I buy lottery tickets. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. You sound like a guy hitting the scratch-offs in line <laughs> at the gas station. There you go. All right. Well, I hope you and your family have a great, great holiday. Yeah, you too. Uh, enjoy some figgy pudding. Put it on my put it on my tab. My thanks again to Pete Dunn. A quick reminder, his column on personal finance appears regularly in the print edition of IBJ, and you can find several years worth of his work at IBJ.com. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest print edition of IBJ I want to point out. First up, Simon Property Group is getting a leg up on the emerging trend of online-only retailers moving into brick-and-mortar stores, a strategy that analysts say could have a big payoff for the Indianapolis-based shopping mall giant as it looks to develop new tenants. Mickey Shuey has more on Simon's partnership with Chicago-based Leap Services. Also in this week's issue, Susan Orr reports on the growth of local startup Connected, which helps users automate their outreach to customers via LinkedIn. And Dave Lindquist connects with media mogul Jeff Smolian about his new book, A Career Retrospective, titled Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it is easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you are a subscriber. And here is a new development we have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. And that works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana's story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.